You're listening to Mysteries Still Unsolved, a podcast where we discuss unsolved mysteries both past and present. I'm your host, Rochelle. Today, we will discuss the disappearance of Amelia Earhart. Welcome back to Mystery Still Unsolved. I'm so excited to be here with you all today, not only because we took a little week break because of the 4th of July holiday, but I'm even more excited than usual, although, I mean, I'm always excited to chat with you. But today is a very special day. Today marks the one-year anniversary, or should I say podcast anniversary, of Mystery Still Unsolved. I made it, you made it, we made it. And I honestly mean that because, yeah, I'm the one that sits in my daughter's closet behind a mic, but you guys have made it worthwhile for me to do so. So I really want to express my appreciation to all of you today. Thank you for being willing to go on this crazy journey with me. There's been a lot of ups and downs, a lot of learning, a lot of trial and error. I recently listened to an older episode, maybe like I don't know, maybe like the fourth or fifth episode that I ever recorded last year. And the sound quality was like really bad and the writing was not all that great. And I thought to myself, damn girl, you have really come a long way. And then I gave myself a celebratory round of applause and a great big pat on the back. I'm happy to say that I found a rhythm, a formula that works for me, a formula that I hope works for you, and I'm so excited to see how much progress this podcast will make in the year to come. To commemorate this pivotal event, I have been thinking about ways that we could celebrate together, and I came up with two. I'll start with the giveaway because... I mean, who doesn't love free stuff? All right, so for the next 24 hours, and for reference, this episode is going out on July 12, 2021, and I'm going to post a little quiz in my stories on the Instagram page. And if you're not already following, um, hello, what better way to celebrate my podcast anniversary than to become a follower on my Instagram? It's at mystery still unsolved. Um, then go to the stories, answer the trivia questions, and you'll be entered to win a $20 gift card to either Starbucks or Amazon. You get to choose your choice. Plus, I will send you one of my all-time favorite true crime books. It's called The Book of Unsolved Mysteries, and you are going to love it. I get a lot of my ideas um, for topics to cover on this podcast from that book. So don't delay. This giveaway is only going to last for the next 24 hours, so make sure you hop on over there and answer those trivia questions. You don't even have to get the answers right. I don't even care about that. Just answer the questions and you'll be entered to win. Oh, Also, a bonus entry. If you make a post or a story with at mystery still unsolved tagged in it, that will be a bonus entry for you. Also, get out your calendars and mark this down because one week from today, that's July 20th, people, at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, I'm going to be going live 
to chat with you and answer your questions and just kind of hang out and talk. I cannot wait to have the chance to talk to you all in real time, so you won't want to miss it. Again, that's next Tuesday, July 20th at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, and I can't wait to see you there. Please come so I'm not like awkwardly there by myself. I already like have a lot of an ego because I have to like be alone in my closet talking to myself. So please don't make me go on social media and talk to myself. That'd be really embarrassing. So please come. All right. All of that was so exciting. I don't usually have that much to say at the beginning of an episode, but it's important to celebrate accomplishments and it's even better when you get to do it while also celebrating with those who support you. So thanks again. Today's episode is a highly requested one, mostly by my own mother, but there were many others who agreed that you would love to hear an episode done on this iconic and incredible woman, and it's only fitting that we cover her story in July as this year marks the 84th year since she went missing. Who am I talking about? Well, if you already saw the name of this episode, then you know, but if you just pushed play, well only the most famous woman of her time, Miss Amelia Earhart. Amelia Earhart, born July 24th, 1887, famously known as the Babe of the Sky, was an incredibly accomplished human woman. Amelia Earhart is what we would now refer to as a badass bitch. One article referred to Amelia Earhart as having, quote, the body of a supermodel with the face of a charming tomboy, end quote, which seems a bit backhanded, like, Okay, way to lift someone way up, only to kick them in the stomach on their way down. But not only was Amelia Earhart a babe, but she also was an incredible advocate and ally for women's rights, all women's rights. She was determined to show society that the sky did not belong to men, but for women also. And she knew that by proving this, she would be able to help open the doors for women who were interested in pursuing other careers that were predominantly male at the time. Amelia Earhart had been displaying a sense of adventure since her youth living in Kansas, but it wasn't until a pivotal flight she took in her early adult life, age 23, with a male pilot named Fred Hawks, that this spark ignited within her to fly. She just couldn't get enough of it. She loved the freedom. She loved how it felt so liberating. She even enjoyed the danger of it, and I don't really get that because adrenaline makes me feel like I'm going to barf, but to each their own. Amelia loved beating and setting records. Again, I already told you, but I'll repeat it again for those of you in the back who might not have heard me the first time, Amelia Earhart was a badass bitch. End of story, period. We all know Amelia Earhart because her final flight, her attempt to travel around the world, has become shrouded in mystery. But Amelia Earhart was world-renowned way before her infamous disappearance. I mean, She was, after all, the aviation pioneer of the 1920s and 30s. You could not go anywhere without seeing Amelia's name or her photograph in newspapers. In the decade leading up to Amelia's fateful flight, she was making quite the name for herself. In 1927, flying across the ocean was all the rage. Charles Lindbergh had just completed the first solo feat. Inspired by Lindbergh's achievements, a woman named Amy Guest was supposed to be the first woman to attempt doing that also, but at the last minute, she chickened out. I do not blame her. That would be me too, for sure. But that's when Amelia got the call, and she gladly accepted. On June 17, 1928, Amelia traveled from Trepassy Harbor, Newfoundland, to Barryport in South Wales, and it took her approximately 20 hours. 
Four years later, she did it again, but this time alone. No one since Charles Lindbergh had been able to do so, so it was a huge deal. And this flight was grueling. Can you imagine flying for 15 hours, no one to talk to, no potty breaks? And if that wasn't hard enough, she encountered a fuel leak. Her um, wings iced up and the engine started spewing fire out at one point. But regardless of all that, she completed that flight like the badass bitch that she is. Way to be resourceful, Amelia. We commend you. Amelia obviously won a lot of awards and accolades for this incredible feat. Not too long after that, Amelia became the first woman to fly from California to New York solo in just under 19 hours, basically four times as long as it would take today. Amelia wanted to take her career to the next level, and why the hell not? She's setting record after record. Why wouldn't she want to keep pushing herself? You can't hold that baby in a corner. This is why she wanted to be the first woman to fly around the world. This would obviously not be easy. The journey would be 29,000 miles and span over 40 days. It would start and end in Oakland, California, because... She would make at least 20 stops. Stop one, well, she'd be going from California to Hawaii. Piece of cake, right? Wrong. On Amelia's first attempt, she landed in Hawaii safely, but after that, she encountered multiple mechanical issues, forcing her and her trusty co-pilot, Fred Noonan, to abandon their mission and try again at a later time. So, a few months later, they made their second attempt after securing some more funding because this shisha is expensive, y'all. This time, instead of circumnavigating the world across um, the Pacific Ocean to begin with, they would travel from west to east. So they took off from California and went to Miami, strapped into a twin-engine Lockheed 10E Electra, again accompanied by her co-pilot Fred Noonan. This plane was especially made for Amelia. Normally, these planes only carry 200 pounds of fuel, but no, not this one. No, 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 no. Amelia needed the big guns for this task, so Lockheed created a special tank that would carry a thousand pounds of fuel. The world was watching. Amelia and Noonan stopped in Miami, Venezuela, Puerto Rico, Suriname, Brazil, Senegal, Mali, yada, 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 Australia. And then what would become known as the takeoff spot of her final flight, La A, New Guinea. She only had 2,500 miles until her next stop in the Howland Islands, then 1,900 to Honolulu, and then just another 2,400 miles to her final destination, California. The end was in sight. Amelia and Noonan were so close. So, where did it all go wrong? On July 2nd, 1937, 42 days into their journey, while en route from La A, New Guinea to Howland Island, Harry Balfour, he was a radio operator who resided in La A, had made a plan with Amelia before she left that he would contact her every hour on the hour to check on her progress. Over the course of three hours, Harry attempted to communicate with Amelia Several times, he wanted to let her know that the headwinds were showing to be much stronger than they had originally anticipated, but he was never able to communicate with Amelia directly. It's believed that Amelia may have never even received those transmissions. 
This is important because high headwinds can affect a lot of things, such as plane speed, gas consumption, and length of flight. So this was obviously valuable information that Amelia needed to know. Um, since she was such a seasoned pilot, I'm guessing she probably like figured it out on her own. But I mean, it's a little scary when you can't get in touch with somebody with this important information to just let them know and be like, hey, this is going on. We're here for you. What do you need? What can we do for you? Harry did get in contact with her eventually, and she did say that she was actually doing okay. Then a little while later, she um, talked to Harry and said that she had chosen to climb to 10,000 feet, which seemed kind of risky and uneconomical considering how much fuel that that was going to be eating up. But when Harry pressed Amelia to better understand why she had decided to make this unexpected climb, radio silence. So it's still unclear to this day why Amelia made that choice. A while later, the U.S. Coast Guard received a desperate plea from Amelia. The voice said, quote, We cannot see you. Fuel is running low. We have been unable to reach you. We are flying at a thousand feet, Un- end quote. It's also important to mention, and I can't believe I almost forgot to include this, but there was a boat off the coast of Howland Island named the Itasca, Um, which was going to be providing Earhart with weather information as she neared the island. And the people on board believe that Amelia Earhart made it very close to the island because at one point her transmissions became like super clear and people who were on the boat swore that they heard the plane above them. They even went outside to look for it, um, but no one saw it. Weird. The last transmission received from Amelia on the Itasca said, quote, We must be on you, but we cannot see you. We are on the line 157-337. We will repeat this message. We will repeat this on 6210 kilocycles. Wait. End quote. People who heard her last transmission all report that Amelia, who was normally calm and level-headed, again, badass bitch, seemed frantic. A $4 million budget was set aside to find and hopefully rescue the flying duo, the most expensive rescue to that point. From July 2nd to July 18th, boats and planes came from all over the world to search the waters and islands near Helen Island, but nothing ever came of it. Amelia Earhart, Fred Noonan, and the plane were never found. In fact, decades would go by without any real leads. This caused people to speculate, what on earth happened to Amelia Earhart and Fred Noonan? And as we all know, as fellow true crime lovers, time plus people left to their own thoughts and devices equals some effing weird theories. So let's go through some of them now, and then I'll share with you what I think at the end. Theory number one, it's probably the most widely accepted theory and If you've been listening to my podcast for long enough, then you know that I'm going to kind of be partial to this idea because I found in my true crime mystery solving career, (laughs) if you can even call it that, that the simplest theory is usually the correct one. But hang in there, baby, because I think, I mean, it might just be the podcast anniversary talking, but I think I'm going to surprise you this time around. Anyway, so the theory is that Amelia Earhart's plane ran out of gas and she and Noonan died upon impact when they crashed into the ocean. 
Although those familiar with the plane Amelia was flying say that with that amount of fuel left over, Amelia should have been able to make it to the island. Near Howland Island, the ocean is like 18,000 or something feet deep. In 2004, a company called Nauticos searched a nearly 2,000 square foot nautical mile um, plan in search of the plane, and they found nothing. The second theory is that Earhart and Noonan were marooned on Gardner Island, which is now called Nick. <laughs> this is really hard to say. Niku Maroro or Niku Maruru. I don't know. Roughly 350 nautical miles away from Howland Island, and it happens to lie directly on that line that Amelia mentioned in one of her final transmissions. As her plane lost fuel, it is thought that she spotted this island and used her scrappiness, her resourcefulness, um, and was able to make out like a possible emergency landing strip on the island where she was able to land the plane safely. Sometime between 1939 and 1940, a British colonial officer named Gerald Gallagher found the remains of a makeshift campsite on this island, along with a box for a sextant, which... If you don't know what a sextant is, it sounds like it's super sexy, but it's not. It's actually an aviation tool used to determine latitude and longitude. Consider whispering that in your sweetheart's ear during sexy time. Would you like me to get you a box for a sextant? (laughs) However, the most incredible thing found on the island was a partial human skeleton. The bones were analyzed by a doctor named Dr. Hoodless, who was working in Fiji, but... Hoodless determined the bones belonged to a short, stocky European dude, and then Hoodless, which we should probably call brainless, supposedly discarded the bones. More on this later, but I think this dude may have jumped to conclusions. I think Hoodless, aka brainless, was a bit rash. I think he was a little bit bad at his job, and I think that he wanted to go home early that day, so he just decided to throw the bones back into the ocean or something. I don't know. Tigar, also known as the International Group for Historic Aircraft Recovery, took the measurements given by Hoodless and determined recently that the bones, in fact, could have belonged to a taller-than-average woman of European descent. Wouldn't you know, Amelia was 5'8", so suck it hoodless you lazy bastard (laughs) like you totally suck oh these bones these bones belong to a five nine person couldn't possibly be a lady because we live in the 20s and 30s where women are supposed to be small and dainty just throw the bones away what an idiot rick jellipsy an incredible guy who directs tigar that we are going to talk about more later when I share my theory of what happened, suggests that only a partial skeleton was found because coconut crabs run rampant on that island. And they are known to, I don't know how to say this in a way that's not gross, so I'm just going to come out and say it. Basically, these little coconut crazy creeps have been known to eat people and they carry the body parts down into their little creepy underground burrows, and they eat them. It's disgusting. Don't blame me. Blame coconut crabs. And these guys are freaking terrifying. They can grow up to be three feet 
long. They're the largest anthropods that live on land, and they like cr- can, they can crack coconuts open with their pinchers. Yeah, they're freaks. I'll post a pic or maybe even a video because seriously, they're terrifying. They're gonna haunt my nightmares now. Anyway, so apparently there's this picture that someone took from the island, and it looks like a piece of landing gear is like popping out of the ocean. And I don't know why someone just took a picture of it and didn't like, I don't know, swim over, get a boat and go investigate, but whatever. So Rick said that Amelia would have been able to use the radio that was on the plane to signal for help for about a week following the crash, but only when the tide was low. Incredibly, several reports of transmissions were heard from people around the globe who claimed that they spoke to Amelia, and many of those transmissions coincided with low tide on this island. So Rick believes it's entirely possible, particularly one teenaged girl's account. Her name was Betty Clank, and she said that via her ham radio, and how cool is that? This, like, teenage girl, like, had a ham radio, but then again, that probably was, like, the cell phone of their day, so, yeah, she was just, like, one of the cool girls, I guess, with her little hammy. Um, she received a transmission from a woman who said, quote, help me. This is Amelia Earhart. Help me, end quote. Then Betty reported hearing the woman argue with a frantic and disoriented male voice, possibly Noonan. She also claims that she heard another message from Amelia that stated, quote, the water is knee deep. Let me out, end quote. Clank listened to the voice for a span of three hours, recording everything that she heard in a notebook. Her father notified the Coast Guard who dismissed his daughter's claims because, Apparently, a lot of people had been making stuff up for, like, fame and notoriety and whatnot. So, isn't that crappy? Betty might have really been talking and hearing Amelia's calls for help, but just, like, no one took it seriously because there are so many idiots in this world who want attention and it's hard to sort the truth from the BS. (sighs) So frustrating. Okay. Now, this is crazy. In 1991, Rick found the rubber sole of a shoe on the island stamped with the words cat's paw rubber company this sole was from the same type of shoe that Earhart is seen wearing in multiple photographs around the time that she took off on her fateful flight okay so deserted island there's some bones and there's the sole of a shoe that we know that she wears This is her shoe, right? It has to be. Well, some people have their doubts, specifically because the shoe was a size 9, and it was reported that Amelia wore a size 7 shoe. (sighs) Rick also found a 23-inch by 19-inch piece of metal that he believes belonged to the Electra. The Navy disagrees that Amelia was marooned on the island because they claim that they flew over that island a week after she disappeared and, you know, they didn't see anything. Um, okay. So, because you didn't see anything, she obviously couldn't have been there. What if the plane had sunk? What if Amelia and Noonan were, like, in the shade or possibly already dead? How do you know? What if the Navy dude was, like, tired and was, like, I don't know, doing a crappy job at looking? I don't know. I don't think because they flew over and didn't see anything means that it couldn't have happened. I'm not buying it. I mean, I believe that they didn't see anything, but I'm not believing the fact that because they didn't see anything, 
obviously she wasn't there. Because, like, how well are you really looking? I don't know. I have my doubts. All right, moving on to theory number three. Rollin C. Rainick, a retired U.S. Air Force colonel, theorizes that Amelia Earhart was a pilot slash spy and that she actually had a plan B the whole time. Where, if she couldn't get to Howland Island, she would ditch her plane in the Marshall Islands, which are only about 800 miles away from Howland Island. That way, the U.S. government would be able to perform recognizance there. The Marshall Islands were currently occupied by Japan, so that would have given the U.S. a leg up using the guise of, you know, we're looking for Amelia, but actually we just don't want to know what you're up to. This is corroborated by Marshallese locals who have been claiming for decades that they witnessed Amelia Earhart's crash on their island. However, Rollin believes the plan went awry when the Japanese captured Earhart and Noonan and either threw them in prison or executed them. There's this lady that, for whatever reason, um, was accused of being Amelia Earhart. So basically this dude wrote a book saying that this lady from New Jersey named Irene Bowman was Amelia Earhart under a fake name. And the lady got so pissed about it that she sued him. Uh, can we all just please leave Irene alone? An army sergeant in 1944 claims that he saw Amelia's plane on the island of Saipan and that he witnessed um, military there destroy the plane. There was also a photo taken on the Marshallese Island that people swear was Amelia Earhart and friend Noonan. You might have even seen it before because the photo actually looked familiar to me, but turns out it was BS because a textbook found that was published two years before Earhart even disappeared had this picture in it, so no way was it them. Debunked. Now we move to the fourth and final theory. Some people think that Amelia Earhart was abducted by aliens. Admittedly, this theory is a bit hokey, but Star Trek loved the idea and actually used it in one of their episodes. In the end, many people believe that Amelia and Noonan simply crashed and died upon impact, but it's basically impossible to know if that's the case or one of these other alternate theories because we don't have any... we don't know where the plane is. Considering the time that's passed and the fact that we have never been able to find the plane or like human remains that we can guarantee are theirs, it's easy to think that this case will be permanently unsolvable. Right? Not so fast, my true crime-loving friends. Now for my theory, which is basically just an extension of theory number two. In my research, I was able to find that there is actually a lot of evidence that points to Amelia Earhart being marooned on that island. Okay, So not only was there a rubber sole of a shoe that Amelia had been known to wear but found in the sand were pieces of a lotion bottle. And not just any lotion bottle, baby. A bottle of lotion that was later found to be freckle-diminishing lotion. And everyone who knew Amelia knew that she had freckles and that she hated them. And the bottle found on the island was actually the exact brand and type that Amelia had packed with her on that flight. But the shoes, Rochelle, the shoes are too big, right? Wrong. All right, 
So Amelia was tall. We know that she was 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, so it's definitely possible that she just lied about her shoe size to come off as more feminine, perhaps. It wouldn't be the first time a person has lied about the size of a body part. That's right, men of the world. I'm talking to you. But even if it turned out Amelia really was a size 7 in shoes, she was going to be flying for 20 hours a day basically. And as a person who has recently traveled across the U.S. in a car for 10 hours a day, I can tell you that your feet swell up. Is it possible that Amelia was intentionally wearing bigger shoes to account for the anticipated feet swelling? I think so. I mean, she's seasoned. She knows this this isn't her first rodeo, you guys. She knows the tips and tricks. Oh, also, huge, big, deal. So you know brainless, I mean hoodless, that big idiot doctor who discarded the bones? Well, turns out the bones showed up in a tiny village in Fiji and those bones were tested and they absolutely could be Amelia's after all. In the end, I feel like this theory is the most believable because seriously, what are the chances that there would be an island along the line that Amelia mentioned in her transmissions right before her disappearance that just happens to have a shoe that she was known to wear, just happens to have a bottle of lotion that she was known to use, it just happens to have a piece of a plane, and it just happens to have a sextant, as well as some bones that many believe belong to a tall European-descended woman? There are just too many coincidences here for it to not be Amelia. So, in my eyes and my heart of hearts, I definitely think that this case is solved. The unsolved bit is why she went up 10,000 miles, or 10,000 feet, 10,000 K. I don't know what that means in, like, aviation, whatever. Why did she crash? How long did they live marooned on this island? What eventually took their lives? Was it lack of food, lack of water? Was it sickness? Was it those horrifying coconut crabs? Was it each other? Did they turn on each other? But what do you think? What theory do you favor most? I would love to read your comments, thoughts, theories, and opinions on the post I made today on my Instagram at Unsolved. And don't forget, you only have 24 hours to enter my giveaway by answering some fun trivia questions on my Instagram stories. And like I said, you don't even have to get the answers right. Just answer them and you'll qualify. Oh, don't forget about the bonus entry. If you make a post or a story on Instagram today with me, tagged in it at mystery still unsolved you'll get a bonus entry you can also go to my website at mystery still unsolved.com for even more fun stuff thank you all for supporting me this past year i have had a blast you guys totally make it worth it i cannot wait to see where this podcast will be in the next year in the meantime i hope you guys will continue to support this podcast and share it with your true crime loving friends and family Follow me on Instagram if you aren't already. It's the best way to celebrate my podcast anniversary if I have more followers. Woo-hoo. And if you want to know the best way to support my podcast, keep joining me week after week when every Tuesday we'll discover, did someone ever place a useful tip? Has justice prevailed? Or is the mystery still unsolved?